11. You know what? I'm going to read this, and then we'll get into this message. I think it's good to just read it this morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Welcome. Um, All right, Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down t- the, their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious." Amen. That's right. Amen. Um, You know, Advent is one of my favorite times of the year for two reasons. There's two themes in Scripture that that get me excited. Um, One theme is is the redemption story of just the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, We remember at during this time of year at Advent, we remember the coming of the baby Jesus, um, coming in flesh, uh, coming through the womb of an ordinary woman, Mary, in a miraculous sort of way, God shows up. Um, This baby lying in a manger, lying in humility, lying in this dirty stable would would be the suffering servant who would be slain on a criminal's cross for the sins of the whole world. That's a good theme, and all of us should be excited about that theme, um, because salvation is is so important to every one of us. But I also love the theme in Advent of this idea of the second coming. Um, this, this focus that um, there's a sense where, <clears throat> sorry, there's kind of things that were realized now that we realize that Jesus Christ did at the cross, and then there's some things that are in the future in Isaiah that will come when Christ comes again. So important that we believe that, that Christ will return. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ will physically return to the earth? Amen. It, it should be part of our creed. Christ is going to return. And I don't know about you, but honestly, I get, I, I'm pretty tired. Um, and not necessarily physically tired, but... I'm tired of the effect that the curse has on our world. 
You know, the things that, that just make me, I mean, I've, I talk about this a lot, you know, the things that just kind of make me irritated. Um, things like the division that we experience, um, maybe even in our country, if we go into government and politics, for, we're not going to go there, but, but, you know, that just, it's discouraging. Um, but it's that way for a reason. It's that way because we live in this curse. Maybe even more um, frustrating to me is the division in our homes. Um, the way that the, the family is, is being attacked um, in our generation and in every generation. Um, it makes me tired. Uh, it makes me um, frustrated with this curse that we live under. But it also, it also causes me to look, to look up. Um, there's a sense where this, the frustration that we experience here in this world um, makes me realize that my, my heart longs for, for Jesus Christ. There's a sense where there's a longing in my heart for, for Christ to come. Um, you know, while our circumstances aren't the same as Judah's in 700 B.C., um, we're not living in a burned out, in the burned out city of Jerusalem where there's just you know, everything's been decimated. There's no walls standing. Um, we are living in challenging times. We're living in confusing and desperate times filled with division. Um, and I think that it's in those moments, in those desperate moments, that our hearts reach out for something that transcends um, that, the limit of that time or that moment. Um, there's, there's kind of a, a sense where our hearts long for an escape, um, a way out. Um, we might even cry out and say, you know what, is there anybody out there who cares anymore? Will someone come? Will someone come to rescue me? I think that's the heart behind Judah as they're sitting there in those ashes waiting for rescue. Um, and I think that's true for us today. Sometimes I sit and I just, I get frustrated. I'm like, okay, Lord, Fulfill the rest of this book. Come, Lord Jesus. And, and I've really enjoyed this Advent in particular because I love the prophetic messages from Isaiah. Because Isaiah's prophetic, pro prophetic messages give us the answer to our longing hearts, right? God will send a messianic king. Isaiah declared with the authority of the Holy Spirit. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. Though his face is human, his nature is, is such that he's a wonderful counselor, he's a mighty God, he's an everlasting father, and he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus' mission was to come and, and heal the scars and the wounds of the brokenhearted. He came to release those who were held in prisons of their own making because of our sin. And he came to restore what had been lost in the wasting years um, without him. And all this we know was fulfilled by Jesus Christ at his first coming. But then we get to Isaiah 11. And the prophet takes us farther into the future, right? He pushes us forward into time. This is the stuff that gets me excited when I, when I wait. The passing centuries, they fly by. He takes us all the way past earthly life, death, the resurrection of our Savior, all the way to the end. It takes us beyond 
2019 to a day that's still in the future, a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will reign over the entire earth. Um, and so Isaiah 11, we get some snapshots. Why would the Holy Spirit give us this? Why would he want you and me to see this? <clears throat> because we need to understand what kind of king we find in that manger. And this Christmas week, um, whether you're going to come and you're going to worship um, with the Magi, you're going to come and, and, and be excited as the shepherds were enough that they would go and declare, or you're going to shrug your shoulders and go, well, like, what's the big deal? Um, you need to know what you can expect from this infant king named Jesus. And so Isaiah 11 gives us a picture of this. And the first idea that I want us to think about is that um, this Messiah, this, this Jesus, this root of Jesse, he knows what you're going through. Look at, look at verse 1 here. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. You see, this opening statement here gives us a picture of what his earthly roots will be. Um, again, just to set the stage, um, Judah is a bunch of burnt stumps. Okay, I think it's important that we get the imagery here. <clears throat> the dynasty of David has all been but destroyed, right? Jerusalem is lying in, in waste and ruins. The people are held in captivity. Um, Isaiah prophesied, he said this would happen. But there's something cool, like right in the midst of the opening of Isaiah chapter, the, the opening chapters of Isaiah, all of a sudden we get to, verse, to chapter 4, and in the midst of all this prophecy about judgment, Isaiah offers this hope. In Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 2, he says, In that day, <clears throat> the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Verse 3 says, Those who are left in Zion will remain in Jerusalem will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. The Lord will create over all of Mount Zion, over those who assemble there, a cloud of smoke by day and a, and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and hiding place from the storm and rain. There's always a remnant and there's, God always offers this promise of hope to us. This idea of this, this small shoot here, it says a, a shoot will come up from Jesse. Think about this for a second. I, how many of you, um, well, I have this os tree in my, in my backyard, um, and you can try to kill these things. Anybody have some os trees? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Carol. These things are, they're like weeds that are rampantly, they just grow rampantly, right? You try to, you, you lop off a you know, piece of it, five pieces are going to come out of that thing. It's... <clears throat> Just give it a little bit of water, man, that thing is going to grow. And I think there's, there's some imagery here of this idea that this picture, this shoot coming out of the stump of Jesse. 
uh, this branch that's going to bear fruit, it's going to be green again. Now, we want that to happen in this situation. Austria, eh, not so much. Who is this branch? Who is it? Jeremiah 23, verse 5, makes it clear that, that this branch is the Lord, our righteousness. This branch is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, and who's Jesse, anyway? You guys know who Jesse is? Anybody know who Jesse is in the room? <clears throat> Jesse is the father of Israel's greatest king, David. Now, why didn't he just say a branch would come out of David, right? Why not just make it out of David? Because that's not how Jesus would come. Jesus came in humility. David's name's not even mentioned here. Instead, he refers to Jesse, which I think might emphasize three things. The first thing is this, is that God reveals his grace in mysterious ways. God uses, the, Paul would write this in the New Testament, God uses the weak things to shame the wise. He uses the simple things. You know, we tend to look at things and we look, at, we look for, and value beauty, we value strength. We, we value influence and wealth. But God brings this deliverer, this king that's described here. We're going to get to how powerful he is. He brings him in the most unpretentious and unpredictable way. We saw it in the first week that we looked at these prophecies, this sign. A virgin's going to be with a child, and his name's going to be called Emmanuel. God comes to us in the most mysterious ways, and he comes to us in humility. Why? I think it's so that he's relatable. Jesus Christ, is. we can relate to Jesus. When you read the Gospels, we can relate to Jesus because he's simple like one of us, carpenter's son. I don't think anybody in this room has grown up in nobility with a, a silver spoon in their mouths. The second reason, you know, the Messiah won't, he will not be born into privilege, right? Jesse was never a king, was he? Being born in the line of Jesse means that the Messiah will not be born into a royal family or crowned prince or grow up in a ruling class but he will inherit his kingdom. Jesse's just a simple, common man who raises his children in the Lord. And the scripture really doesn't expound much on his life. But I think it's significant that he does call him the stump of Jesse because the Messiah would be like David. He would be a sense that he would be like David. And he won't just be the offspring of David. He would be greater than David himself. And Drew shared that in his message from Isaiah chapter 9. When describing this Messiah, this king that would come, it says that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And so there's a sense where 
yes, this, this messianic king comes from just ordinary Mary and Joseph, rises to be this king and our king, our Messiah. He goes on and it says in verse 2 there that um, it describes this Messiah that would have God's spirit in, in an unlimited measure. I mean, look at verse 2. It says that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And then it describes the spirit of God, this, this, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> I think it's significant that the Spirit is emphasized here and that because it's this, this baby Jesus, he's, he's not going to accomplish his goals by human means. He is going to accomplish things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he lists all these characteristics, wisdom and of understanding, counsel and power, Knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You know, God doesn't need a counsel. He doesn't need anyone to give him direction, right? The Spirit of God, he will encompass all of these things. This root of Jesse will encompass all of these things. As I was reading this week, I was reminded of, of Romans chapter 11 and verse 33, the beautiful doxology doxology there where it says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Listen to this. Or who has been his counselor? All of the spirit of God is going to be encompassed in this Messiah. All of it will rest on him. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And we know from Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 that when Jesus began his public ministry and he was baptized, what happened? The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. His father said, this is my son whom I'm pleased. This is the the root of Jesse, Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord would rest on him. It says that the fear of the Lord would characterize his reign. <laughs> Boy, how many of you long for that day? Anybody else long for that? Don't you long for a day when you'll live in a nation, in a country, in the world that fears the Lord? This gets me excited. My God, when we, come on. We don't fear the Lord. We're not living in a land that really feels, fears the Lord. This will be the characteristic, though, of the Messiah and his reign. And then we get into the end of verse 3. It says that he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the, the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. When this Messiah comes to reign, 
He will bring people face to face with him. When you look and when we look into the face of this Messiah, he's going to see us and know us. There's some similar description and similar imagery here as in Revelation chapter 19, 11. When John would see heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Joel read this this morning. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on them that no one but himself knows. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. This is the root of Jesse, Jesus Christ, the King, the one that will come riding on a white, white horse. And there's something beautiful about the end of verse 3 there, is that when we stand face to face with Jesus, we will know him fully. And I think we'll also know that that he knows us fully. We're not going to be able to pull one over on Jesus. He's not going to judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. When he comes, he will judge you according to reality rather than perception. He's not going to be swayed by emotion. He's not going to be fooled by ignorance of the truth. He's going to look at you and he's going to see you for who you really are. And guess what? No one will be overlooked. He's going to deal with you with precise justice. He's going to evaluate your life according to the holiness of God. And when Jesus pronounces judgment, it's final. Now here's the beautiful part. This is why this matters. Because all who are made righteous by faith in Christ are going to be exalted, lifted up. It's going to be a glorious day when we stand and look in the face of Christ. He's going to look at us and he's going to see us robed with the righteousness of Christ. Our heads adorned like we talked about last week with beauty, the oil of joy, this garment of praise that marks the saints. And he will wipe, he'll wipe the wicked from the face of the earth. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> it's going to be a terrible day. And that's why it's so important. This gospel is so important. This good news that Christ died for you is so important, and it's so important that you receive this good news in faith. When we receive this good news in faith, man, that's why I'm looking forward to that day. I can't wait to stand face to face with God. 
I look forward to the day when in 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. Not my own righteousness or works that I've done, but Christ's righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do you long for the appearing of Jesus Christ? And then we get into this beautiful imagery here. This is my favorite part of this text. In verse 6, it says that the, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion with the yearling together. The little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Interesting. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the Lord will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. The earth, sorry, will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. He'll be full of it too, um, as the waters over the, cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. When this Messiah comes again, he is going to restore the earth to its original intent intention. He is going to take the earth back to Eden, the way that he intended for it to be. What a beautiful passage of scripture. Don't you long for the day when that's realized? Scripture says in, in, in Romans 8 verse 22 that creation is longing for that day. We know that a whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I've got to believe that even this, this lion and these bears and the, the ox and all these, they're all longing for that day. The earth itself is longing for the day when Christ will come and he will reign. And he will be the standard that we run to. It's beautiful because this is a description of what it's like when this curse is lifted. Imagine the curse being removed. Predators and prey are no longer natural enemies. Think about this, the eating habits of carnivores are going to disappear. No carnivores? That doesn't sound very exciting, does it? Does that mean, I don't know, I just pondered for a second, I was like, aren't we kind of carnivores? Yeah, I was like, man, I'm not going to make any statements about whether there'll be steak in heaven or not. There's got to be, you know, if I, sorry, just to get off track here for a second, we've got time. So if, if this whole restoration of Eden things happens, and we're going back to Genesis 1, read about, um, oh, it's probably about 27, 28, 29 there. Go back and read that stuff, because in that statement, well, there's fruitful and multiply there, I know, but there's also like, hey, and you will subdue and rule the earth. So maybe there still is the opportunity for meat. I don't know. Um, don't let that deter you from going. 
okay? <clears throat> it will be even better, I promise you. The salads in heaven are amazing. <clears throat> I don't know about bacon. Yeah. Uh, he did love a meat offering, didn't he? Okay. I'm going with that. I think the thing that's beauty here is that the, the reality of danger and death is going to be replaced by peace. Think about it. The curse that sends the world into this, this competition, that sends us into fear, that sends us into death, will be lifted. It will be no more. Isaiah 9, verses 9 and 10 here give us a fuller picture. It says, none will harm or destroy another on my holy mountain. This is the stuff that I'm talking about in terms of looking forward to this day. Harm refers to all that is evil, all that is bad, all that causes pain, right? Destroy is the idea of decay or ruin. Think about it. Isaiah tells us that on that day, all crime, right, will cease. Everything we do to one another that causes pain will be gone, lifted. Think about the violence of school shootings. No more. Think about the assault on the family and the way that the family is attacked and the way that it divides. That will be no more. The envy that causes us maybe to, to belittle one another, the need to be, <clears throat> to be smarter, better, more important, all of those things will be gone. That spirit of competition and envy, gone. Think about it. Anger, right? Anger, remember when we talked about this in Proverbs, it's an indication that something is, is wrong. Well, i got to believe that there won't be any anger there because nothing will be wrong. It'll be gone. Backbiting, gossip, criticism, abusive language. It says there that none will harm and destroy on all of my holy mountain because the curse will be lifted. Why will this happen? <laughs> the end of verse 9 says that... Um, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let that sink in for a second. Just think about it for a second. The earth being full of the knowledge of the Lord. When we look into the face of Jesus... And when Jesus looks into our face, we'll realize that Jesus is more than enough. You see the frustration of searching for meaning, searching for significance, if you will? It'll be gone. We will be completely satisfied by our King, filled with peace. Everyone. Therefore, we don't, we don't need, he doesn't need counselors. He doesn't need 
a house and senate to keep him in check. There won't be any voting in heaven. I can't wait. We're all going to look at the king and we're going to go, well, duh, who else, would, who else is going to lead us, right? The root, it says that the root of Jesse will be the standard. All of us, all of creation will, will rally to that standard, that banner being held up. And we'll all rally to him. <laughs> that day will be glorious. And he promises here, he says, and there will be rest. Man. And think about it. All of this will happen because this baby was born in Bethlehem. Do you really know this, this, this baby? I mean, we're living in a world that's divided over him. You can't be neutral about Jesus. Why? Because when he comes, he's not going to be neutral with you. In his first coming, he arrived in humility because of his love for you. And even though he was completely innocent and without sin, Jesus Christ died for you and me. Why? So that we could be reconciled to him. So that when this day comes, it would be a joy to us. We would long for it. That was his first coming. But when three days later, when he rose from the grave in power and authority, he ascended into heaven, and he patiently waits for the time when he will fulfill all of the prophecies of Isaiah. And in that day, he'll come, not in privacy, not in humility. Every eye will see him, and every knee will bow to the glory of God the Father. No voting, no Senate, no Congress, no, no judicial system, no executive cabinet or advisors. Jesus will rule the earth, and the earth will be filled with peace. Amen. This Tuesday night, we have the opportunity to look into the face of this little child. We're just going to read the scripture. He's mighty God, full of wisdom and righteousness. He's our king, and I would encourage you during this Christmas season to look into the face of this baby through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah. See him for who he really is. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Um, Father, it gives us hope uh, as we look into the, we get a chance to look into the future, God. Uh, it brings hope to our hearts, God. Even in the midst of frustrating things in life, God, circumstances that uh, we don't have any control over, God, 
this, this glimpse, this word, God, it, it, it brings hope to our hearts, God. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would encourage the heart maybe who's maybe sitting in ashes, God, in Jerusalem, Lord, sitting with the walls broken down and, and wondering, can anyone come? Will anyone come and save me? Jesus, we know and we worship you, God, because you're mighty to save, Lord. Father, would you come and bring encouragement um, to this heart, God, even right now as we stand and as we sing, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said,